Welcome to the scene. This is Screen Time. My name is David Chu, and I am a lover of film and pop culture. I am a theatre student here at UNE, and I am collaborating with Belgrave Cinema and Tuned to bring you this show. Screen Time is essentially a program where I review films that are showing in Belgrave and talk and discuss and opinionate. Greetings. I hope everyone has had a wonderful day and a wonderful time listening to Screen Time. I have had fun these last few months, and I will miss Screen Time when this is over. Today is the final episode of Screen Time, and because of that, this episode is special. Instead of an episode about a movie in cinemas, this episode shall be about my top five favorite movies in existence. Now, I love movies, so my top five may change and may seem irrational, but that is who I am. There will also be in no particular order, because I am just also very indecisive. The format will be a little different as well, since I am talking about five different movies. Please grab a snack and hold on to your seatbelts. My first movie today, this movie is actually three movies, The Dark Knight Trilogy. I mean, it's just one long story, written and produced by the Nolan brothers, Christopher and Jonathan. Perhaps you have heard of Interstellar or Inception, or one of their small movies last year that made a bit of a boom. Oppenheimer. Before these, there was The Beginning, Batman Begins, then The Dark Knight, and finally The Dark Knight Rises. You know what I see? I see perfection. Hmm. These movies are about Bruce becoming Batman, defeating villains, discovering what it means to be a symbol, and saving Gotham over and over again. I love superheroes, and I love Batman. I don't know why I like Batman so much, but I suspect these movies play a part. A lovely cast for this film. We have Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne, Christian Bale as Batman, Michael Caine as Alfred, Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox, Gary Oldman as Jim Gordon, Liam Neeson as Ra's al Ghul, Heath Ledger as Joker, Aaron Eckhart as Harvey Dent, Tom Hardy as Bane, and so, so much more. It's got everything. Violence, a love story, interesting characters, stakes, and more. This is the story of how Bruce Wayne became Batman. From saving Gotham, to being the hero Gotham needs, to being the champion of Gotham. Each movie was a perfect blend of violence and non-violence. Perhaps nowadays, you would agree with them, the villains, or pity them. No. Not here. Each villain is a punk. Ra's al Ghul, Joker, Bane, punks. Beat them up. The fights were creative and held so many stakes. Bruce learning to fight on a frozen lake and being trained by assassins, that's cool as heck. Then using the same skills to fight everyone later in Gotham, causing major collateral damage and more? Who could forget the Bane backbreaker? Bro should be dead for sure. Man, it was distressing watching my boy, the Batman, come out of retirement, and who was mostly better than the criminals in Gotham, just get absolutely, brutally, and majorly bodied. Like I was not expecting a chunk of the movie to just be Batman in some other prison across the world getting his back fixed. 
romance. Listen, Maggie Gyllenhaal was pretty good as Rachel. I think Rachel was done dirty though, for real. I enjoyed seeing their chemistry and it did hurt when she just left like that. It makes sense, but it still hurts. Watching Bruce so in love and then lose it all is just brutal. I know it was kind of set up for Catwoman aka Anne Hathaway, but still, classic Batman and Catwoman though. A game of cat and flying mouse. It's a fun romantic archetype and I've always enjoyed the pairing. I knew immediately that it was Catwoman when she broke into Wayne's manor and watched those two interact in the film back then when this first came out. I think I had butterflies. Maybe. God, I love the ending. It was perfect. Though to this day, my mind wavers on whether or not Bruce was actually dead. Interesting characters. I loved Michael Caine Alfred. He will always be my favourite. He played the loving and caring butler and friend so well. I wish I had someone like him in my life. I need to be told when I do something dumb. And be supported when I'm down. Plus his voice is cool. In my mind, there is not a better casting. When he got sad, it broke my heart. And when he was told he wasn't Bruce's father, I never felt so sad and distraught. Some people may say that he was just another British guy. But not me. Of course, another character is Heath Ledger's Joker, obviously. I probably shouldn't be quoting the Joker, but he had some good lines in the film. An agent of chaos indeed. Like he was the first for me where I was just shocked and confused whenever he did something. Especially when he burned his money throne. Like a money throne is sick and why would you do that? Lucius Fox, aka Morgan Freeman. Another old, smarter, wise man with good morals and good friend Bruce. Once again, awesome voice and someone I wish I had in my life to support me. The guy in the chair is usually just as good as the main character, though technically Alfred is the guy in the chair for this. But Lucius is like a secondary awesome character. <coughs> Stakes. Gotham is in constant trouble, as always. The city is nearly blown to bits in every movie. Ra's al Ghul nearly burned Gotham to the ground in the first movie. Joker tried to corrupt the city and blob and kill a lot of people. Bane had the entirety of Gotham in a lockdown. This is all insane. Batman becomes the enemy of the cops. Everyone had risky freedoms. Some stakes were won, some stakes were lost. By technicality, I guess the second movie of the trilogy, The Dark Knight, is the best. But no, all three count as one and are perfect. <coughs> Quote for this movie. Some men aren't looking for anything logical like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. The next movie is a more recent film. This film came out in 2022, and is an adaptation of the books. I have personally never read the books, but the movie surely outdid them immensely. Have you heard of The Bad Guys? The books were written by an Australian author by the name of Aaron Babley. He is an actor in a variety of TV shows such as Crashburn and Wild Sides, and directed by Pierre Perifel. He works as an animator with Kung Fu Panda and Rise of the Guardians under his belt. Now stop me if you've heard this before. A wolf, a snake, 
a tarantula, a shark, and a piranha walk into a bar. Wait, it's a bank. And steal a bunch of money. These five predators are criminals. The most famous criminals in their city. Heisters. They have money and glory. Till a new character challenges them. Diane Foxington. A fox. New police chief leader person. They fail a heist, and Professor Marmalade, a guinea pig, attempts to rehabilitate them. This movie is insane, and I love it. For the cast of this film, we have Sam Rockwell as Fox, Mark Maron as Snake, Aquafina as Tarantula, Craig Robinson as Shark, Anthony Ramos as Piranha, Zazie Beetz as Diane Foxington, Richard Ayoade as Professor Marmalade, this movie has it all. Amazing characters, sick beats, friendship, and more. This is the story about how the bad guys show that they are more than their stereotypes. Amazing characters. Every character in this film is amazing. We have the main five. Wolf, the charismatic leader, the man with the plan, skilled driver, confident and almost cocky. He changes his ways and becomes domesticated as a good boy but still almost eats marmalade. Snake is cynical, loves hamsters, and hates birthdays. He hates them because he is lonely, admits he loves his friends, and plays sick bass. Tarantula, tech wizard, slight anger issues, doesn't want to admit that this is her family, comes to accept this family, and becomes good. Shark has all the disguises, pretends to be pregnant, loves messing with Snake, and technically eats him, Piranha farts when he is lying and has a mean singing voice, strong and violent as heck. I love these guys. It is mainly Wolf and Snake that have character development, but hey. Next up is Diane Foxington, also known as the Crimson Paw. Turns out our police chief was once the best thief in the world and chose to retire because she wanted to do some good for a change. There is a whole scene where she kicks the butts of all the prison guards in style. Her flirting with Wolf is also pretty funny and enjoyable to watch. She is a girl boss, if you will. So Professor Marmalade. Bro is unhinged, had planned from the start to betray the bad guys, and that is the reason the whole movie happened, I guess. He's rich and pretends to be a good person, and then proceeds to use mind control and control every non-humanoid hamster and use them to steal charity money. The music slaps so hard. The music for the first six minutes is awesome and suits the car chase. The music for a second car chase when trying to get the stolen money back from the hamsters driving money trucks is awesome too. The Crimson Paul fight scene, epic. All of it slaps so hard. It could be because it's jazz, and I love jazz, but I don't believe it's just because it's jazz. The music in each of these is thematic to the atmosphere, a fast driving beat, and powerful. I think they hit the nail on the head, and I'm happy to have been alive for it. There is also a full song sung by Piranha, aka Anthony Ramos. Shark gets on the drums, Tarantula does some DJing, Snake plays the guitar, and Wolf and Diane have a full dance choreo. Anthony Ramos has some pipes. It's a pretty good song too. The song is called It's Good Tonight. It was a distraction, so... Snake could escape. Misty Luggins, a police chief played by Alex Bornstein.
They went hard in this movie is all I gotta say. Friendship slash family. I value friendship slash family a lot in movies. As like a main trope or something of the like. I'm all in. This is literally a family of broken people becoming closer as they unbreak themselves. I love that stuff. Wolf and co literally drive off a broken bridge to save Snake. Then they all hug it out as they're about to die. It was awesome and the animation for this movie is sick. Snake also gives an ice pop to Shark when at first he refused twice to do so. Everyone was also preparing a birthday party for Snake etc etc. There was a bunch of things and I love them all. I don't think they were bad guys. They are just a little rough around the edges. Quote, Even trash can be recycled into something beautiful. For the third movie, it's another superhero film. When superhero films were gaining popularity, it was the first major moment. You never forget your first. This time, it's on the Marvel side. The first Avengers movie. Avengers Assemble. Now to be clear, I think Endgame is just as good, even better at times. However, I would say it comes down to nostalgia. The first Avengers movie was directed by Joss Whedon in 2012, and boy does this man have a history. As mostly a writer for media such as The Cabin in the Woods and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I am sure I am not the only one who has a special place in their movie, part of their heart, that remembers the first time the Avengers got together on the big screen. Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Hulk, Hawkeye, and Black Widow come together thanks to Nick Fury and Agent Hill and Coulson. Man, I miss Coulson. To defeat Loki and figure out how to deal with the Tesseract. In my mind, I have always preferred the OG6 members of the Avengers, in other media as well. If it doesn't have these six, I'll be sad. For the cast, as I am sure you most likely know, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, Chris Evans as Captain America, Chris Hemsworth as Thor, Mark Ruffalo as Hulk, Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye, also the best Avenger, Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, Tom Hiddleston as Loki, Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, Kobe Smulders as Agent Hill, and Clark Gregg as Agent Phil Coulson, plus so many more characters. What I like about this film comes down to a group get-together, interesting characters, and all-out war. A group get-together sounds nice. Sounds fun, right? I love the idea that a group of remarkable people come together to fight the good fight, or to complete some monumental task. Doesn't matter if everyone has a role or position, though in other scenarios that is also quite fun. In other media at the time of 2012, there was little to no similar media, other than other superhero related media that was just the Avengers again, really. I love that superheroes from all parts of life and history can come together and put aside any attitude or mistrust for the greater good. The scene in the movie that is now iconic of the camera circling in New York, the Avengers, is honestly still probably the best hero suit-up scene in history. Endgame did have the portals, and that was epic. I've also seen edits of the portals, bringing everyone from other fictions in too, which I enjoy, but still. Nothing beats a classic that really set up Endgame. Interesting characters. I don't think I have to say much. Tony Stark, genius, billionaire, playboy, 
philanthropist, butting heads with Captain America, who was a stickler at the time, respectable stickler of course, a new Hulk with a Bruce Banner that was doing quite well at controlling the Hulk and doing good for the world, Black Widow and Hawkeye kicking each other's butts because of Loki, Loki, an egomaniacal idiot who really just needed a friend, S.H.I.E.L.D. agents being S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, Gallagher guy, Agent Coulson being a goat, and was an absolute fanboy of Captain America. So many little details. Tony just munching food a lot through this film because he was just wearing the Iron Man gear that was super heavy. The Scepter making everyone tense as heck. Loki crying like a female dog after Hulk calls him a puny god. Hulk punching Thor. Thor dropping random lore. Every character was fleshed out so well. Granted, there are many comics and other media, but it is all pretty amazing. Thank you, Stanley. You will be missed. Lastly, an all-out war. I love this trope. I think it was my Roman Empire. At least it was when I was in primary school and high school. Just imagining a bunch of characters and random dudes fight all out with guns, swords, combo attacks, explosions from punches and kicks against some sort of insane army coming out of portals or from behind houses and that sort of thing, driving cars, planes, and more. Avengers Assemble had combos, explosions, tactics, and everyone just doing their darndest to defeat the threat in front of them. I wish stuff like this would last longer on the screen, but I suppose we have to move on with the story. I guess. Plus, at the time, just seeing the Avengers fight through New York was pretty epic. All the different shots of Iron Man flying, the subway, most films back then, maybe even now, would keep the world itself very limited. I felt like it was... I felt like I was actually seeing New York through the fight as well. I've dotted some quotes here and there, if you may have noticed. So for the quote for Avengers Assemble, I have chosen... That's my secret, Cap. I'm always angry. Time for the next movie. This next movie is from Pixar, from the year of 2004. I had no idea this came out in 2004. I don't know how I feel about this. This movie is one of my favourites from Pixar. This movie has a lovable companion that talks way too much, a cat that hates Mondays, and a very handsome man. Shrek 2. We have three directors for this film. Andrew Adamson, Kelly Orsbury and Conrad Vernon. Andrew is a producer from both Puss in Boots movies and a few Chronicles of Narnia. Kelly Orsbury has done art for Kung Fu Panda, The Nightmare Before Christmas, and Madagascar. Conrad Vernon is mainly an actor with roles in The Boss Baby, The Addams Family 1 and 2, and Sausage Party. If you felt a chill on that last one, I understand. The Legend of Far, Far Away. Shrek and Fiona are married and enjoying life in the swamp, when all of a sudden Fiona's family want her to come home. Now Fiona's family are human, and Fiona is also a princess who has married an ogre. Hilarity ensues as Shrek, Donkey and Fiona travel to see her family. Prince Charming and the Fairy Godmother are also here trying to rid this world of Shrek, so Prince Charming can be happy. Along for the ride is the introduction of Puss in Boots and every other fairy tale character in this universe. 
Our cast for this film, we have Mike Myers as Shrek, Eddie Murphy as Donkey, Cameron Diaz as Fiona, Antonio Banderas as Puss in Boots, Rupert Everett as Prince Charming, Jennifer Saunders as Fairy Godmother, John Cleese as King, and Julia Andrews as Queen. This film, like some previous movies, has some amazing stuff. We have interesting characters, nice world building, and just an unhinged plot. I think you can guess what I'll say about interesting characters. For the main three, Shrek, Donkey, and Puss, Fiona is less of a main character in this movie. Shrek loves Fiona, and goes to far far away despite being terrified, literally drinks a potion that changes him physically, still loves Fiona throughout all of this, Donkey still just talks a lot, is very supportive, and becomes a stallion for travel purposes, Puss is sent to kill Shrek, but ends up becoming a best buddy, King was a frog, Fairy Godmother is unhinged, and Loki runs a drug ring, no high key, Runs a drug ring, but with potions. Prince Charming is charming, I suppose. Gingy with the connections. Pinocchio with the girl's underwear. Fiona is just really confused most of this movie. At least she is loyal. A lot of the actions made by the characters were either violence, romantic, or comedic related. And I'm all for it. These unlikely friends, romance, and insanity. The world building is important, it adds depth, and makes characters feel real, or at the very least, more interesting. The potion factory that Shrek, Puss, and Donkey went to was really interesting to see. The actual potion room was huge, and I genuinely wished they tried more potions, as that would have been fun. It was really imposing, and just made me want to go myself. The escape from the potion factory reminded me of a video game level. There needs to be a new Shrek game, or Shrek remake. I loved the Shrek racing game. Potion Factory was interestingly designed, and I loved it. Far Far Away was to me very well done. It had life. It had quirks and shops and more. Like a real place, but it got fancied. I would have loved to explore Far Far Away. I am sure there was some time and effort, a new game centred in Far Far Away would be amazing. When Gingy's giant gingerbread friend ran through the city, when Shrek was getting peppered, and when they first travelled through it, the glimpses of the city were fun as heck to observe. Hmm. 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 Now the plot was unhinged. I love unhinged plots. In a way, I am saying if something is predictable, I won't enjoy it. That is untrue though. Even if something is predictable, I will enjoy it. I will enjoy it more if it is unhinged. Shrek and the gang, drinking a beauty potion, fairy godmother being a drug dealer, prince who is good for intended murder, the family dinner scene with the king and Shrek just causing problems with each other, the baby drunkies, puss the cat assassin, the king being a frog, and then sacrificing himself like that, the dance number, all of this happening in a distorted fairy tale world, where all the fairy tales exist at once. So unhinged, and I love it. Also, like, a lot of the NPCs are just incredibly rude for no reason. It's wild. 
Also, Simon Cowell was in this as well, but as a special feature with a far, far away got talent sort of thing for the DVD. Every character performs, and whoever you choose, Simon and two other judges, give dialogue about the winner. Once again, the dinner scene was immaculate. One more thing too. The DVD main menu screen was just a Brady Bunch style thing with all the main characters just looking at each other and doing random things. It was sick. Quote time. The kingdom of far, far away, donkey, that's where we're going. Far, far away. So for my final movie, I'm going with a film with similar vibes to the other ones, because it is my personality. I'm also going to reiterate and simply say that I would have loved to talk about a few more movies, and there are plenty more that could have gone into my top five. So we have another Marvel movie, and yes, it's got superiors coming together, though the rights are technically owned by Sony. We have Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, directed by Bob Perchetti, Peter Ramsey, and Rodney Rothman. Peter Pachetti is a part of the animation department, helping animate some of our favourite animations, such as Mulan, Hercules, Shrek, and more. Peter Ramsey is also an animator, animating films such as Shark Tale, and is a director for The Mandalorian and The Rise of the Guardians. Lastly, Rodney Rothman is a writer for 22 Jump Street and a fair amount of episodes for The Late Show with David Letterman. Aight, so Into the Spider-Verse is a superhero origin story for Miles Morales, the new Spider-Man of his universe when Fisk decides he wants to access alternate universes to see his family. Family Man. Original Spider-Man dies in this universe, saving Miles, who gets caught up in this, and now needs to figure out... Things. He meets Peter B. Parker, Gwen Stacy, Aunt May, Penny Parker, Spider-Ham, and Spider-Noir. Miles needs to be the new Spider-Man, and get these guys home. The cast we have a perfect casting, in my opinion. Shamik Moore as Miles Morales, Jake Johnson as Peter B. Parker, Haley Steinfeld as Gwen Stacy, Mahashala Ali as Uncle Aaron, Brian Tyree Henry as Jefferson, Luna Lauren Valiz as Rio Morales, Lily Tomlin as Aunt May, Nicolas Cage as Spider Noir, Kimiko Glenn as Penny Parker, and John Mulani as Spider Ham. There are many things I love about this movie. First, the group of remarkable people, Leap of Faith, and the jokes. The remarkable people are the spiders. For the record, I think every character was amazing. I wish Chris Pine Spider-Man stayed longer, not gonna lie. I love it when a group of remarkable people come together to solve a problem. It's like having two of a thing I like in one place. Awesome. Everyone was incredibly unique, and it was awesome seeing the different styles collide, but ultimately have the same purpose. We have a Peter Parker who was failing as Spider-Man, becomes a mentor and gets back on his feet, a Gwen Stacy who is normally dead, and we find out more about her life in the second movie, 
Spider-Noir exists in black and white and still somehow not being able to see colour. Plus him solving the Rubik's Cube was adorable as heck. Penny Parker was somehow the most mysterious and I ended up looking at more of her backstory outside of this film and oh my god, she has a brutal universe. It's actually insane. Spider-Ham was adorable. I love seeing good old wacky cartoon style again. In a more modern world for it. Everyone was awesome. That is all I have to say. The Leap of Faith. It is always enjoyable. It is always epic. Whenever we see this, it is usually with the main character. That over time we have come to like and want to see grow. Miles is scared and hates that his family is low-key falling apart. And the OG Spider-Man is dead. dead, 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 dead. He's a teenager just trying to figure things out like the rest of us. His literal leap of faith was so good. The music, the colours, and the slow-mo animation. The whole concept of anyone can be Spider-Man, and Miles now fully stepping into his role. He would have to be a major hater to not like a moment like this. It encapsulates everything I enjoy about origin films and superheroes in general. The jokes. Other than the spiders making quips, there were a few funny jokes in this film. Admittedly, I remember very few of them, but I do remember I laughed, and that's all that matters. For one funny bit, that there was when they were trying to sneak into Fist Tower, and just put bow ties on, saying, it can't be that easy, to, it's that easy. Gave me a small chuckle for sure. Also when Aunt May called out Doc Ock by their name. It gave me another chuckle. Chuckles all around. This film had it all. Final quote. It always fits. Eventually. Honorable mentions. Rush Hour. The First Cars. Puss in Boots. The Last Wish. Speed Racer. Despicable Me. Kung Fu Panda. The Barbie Movie. Across the Spider-Verse. And lastly, The Intern. These are the main ones I could think of. Thank you to those who have listened. And have been with me for this ride. This was the final episode of Screen Time. Thank you, Belgrave Cinema. If you feel like enjoying a movie, why don't you pop down? 145 Dumeric Street. Students get cheaper tickets. If you love movies, there's a Belgrave Plus membership that you can get to have cheaper tickets for a year. I'll see you all again next week. This was Screen Time on Tune 106.9, going to the credits.